0: Welcome, Reunion friends and family. My name is Emily. And while you may have seen me on your screen before sharing the announcements for the week, today I am honored to be joining you all um, in sharing the word for today. Um, We will be continuing our journey throughout the Psalms that Pastor Russell started last week. um, And he introduced us to this idea of freedom of speech before God. As we'll continue seeing today, the Book of Psalms honors our human emotion and invites us to bring those emotions as well as our trust to God. So before we begin looking at our psalm for today, let's pray. God, I just thank you for this day that we get to look at your scripture and just see the love story that you have written for us lord i ask you to prepare our hearts to to open them up to what you have to say Um, you are so wonderful and so amazing that you tailor every word and individualize it to the listener Um, and i believe that you'll do that today let us take a hard look at our emotions and what you have to say about them and and how you honor them and sit with them Um, and let us find rest today god um, in, in your word Uh, and into the things that you have to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're looking at one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So no pressure at all to me. Um, And the Bible is a book full of underdogs. You might even say God primarily uses underdogs in the Bible. David, the author of Psalm 40, is no exception to this narrative. David is the youngest of eight sons. When a prophet named Samuel comes to town, he is the last one called and considered. He also spends a good amount of time running away from a king who wants to kill him and who's openly threatened his life. Even in his battle with Goliath, arguably the most popular story about David's life, he's not in a good position to be the favorite to win. In fact, Goliath is presented as this great champion for the opposing side, who has this extravagant armor. Meanwhile, David is better known for taking care of his father's sheep and shows up to the fight with a staff, stones, and a sling. And yet, in spite of these disadvantages, he goes on to conquer Goliath, is anointed as God's chosen one, and ultimately becomes king this heroic storyline would make him the favorite in any blockbuster or tv show and i say all of this to show that david has a good resume when it comes to struggles he is an expert in being rescued and redeemed and throughout the psalms that he wrote he does not shy away from the emotions he has about the highs and the lows of his journey in psalm 40 David is very vulnerable about the struggle that he finds himself in. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. We are introduced to David's period of waiting just as quickly as we are to God's response. However, if we are to rush through the reading of this verse and solely focus on God's rescue, we can easily miss the urgency of this initial statement. I waited patiently. In his commentary on the Psalms, Walter Brueggemann states that this opening line might be better translated as, I hope intensely for Yahweh. Another commentary agrees that the word patiently is too placid, too calm for the circumstances at hand. And this interpretation begins to make a lot of sense when we consider the places that David is being rescued from. Verse 2 reads, He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. Within this context, the passive act of waiting transforms into an active and eager anticipation for god to move i hope intensely for yahweh i need god to move in this pit in this bog now i've lived in the city for most of my life so i'm not too familiar with bogs. Um, but as i researched to learn more i discovered something called bog snorkeling Now in my mind, I thought, clearly, it can't be all that bad if people are willing to go snorkeling in it, right? Let's hear what one bog snorkeler has to say about it. Bog snorkeling takes place in two trenches, which are dug up about three feet deep and are filled with mucky water. The surprising thing is that you really can't see a thing, nothing. The taste of the bog water is like you've washed potatoes in some water, and then you try and drink that. It's not pleasant. I mean, I'm definitely not signing up for this event anytime soon, and no shade to the Tough Mudder competitors who signed up for the New York equivalent. But I think we can all agree with this snorkeler that voluntary or not, that is not pleasant. A travel blog further describes the experience of a bog like this. There are wetter sections that will suck off your shoes and may be difficult to escape from. Sections of bog that are completely underwater should be circumvented because you can't determine what's below the surface. The same holds for areas with fine grained mud particles that look like chocolate mousse because you're likely to sink into them rather deeply what david is describing is a place of despair and discomfort how many times have we found ourselves in that place can you recall a time when your vision was impaired probably not by murky waters but by a fast-paced culture that doesn't allow you to pause and see things clearly that forces you to go 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 even though you're not quite sure where you're going anymore Or maybe you're currently in a situation that's difficult to escape from, a relationship that's not healthy for you, or a job that you thought you would have moved on from by now. Or maybe you feel like you're sinking deep within your own anxiety and depression. The certainty that we receive in Psalm 40 is that God is with us in those places, all of them. He is there to hear your cry in the midst of your pain. He is there to lift you up out of those places. From the very beginning of the text, we're not left to wonder about whether or not God would come. Verse 1 reads, He inclined to me and he heard my cry. One commentary puts it like this. He bent down to me or he turned and listened to my cry as when someone's attention is arrested and riveted in the face of destruction and dirty surroundings god's response is not only to give us a way out but also to give us attention now i've been a social worker for about five years now And I remember having one particular conversation with a father who was yelling at me because he was scared after receiving some news about his family. He was sitting in a black chair, surrounded by fluorescent lights, and I, along with two other colleagues, were standing in a semicircle around him, trying to explain some protocol or procedure that was standing in the way of us understanding each other. And as i observed how things were playing out i realized how much of a mistake i was making i wasn't talking with this man i was talking down to him quite literally i towered over this frightened father who was hunched in his chair the weight of bad news on his shoulders my eyes were not focused on him but on the clock and how this interaction was gonna make me late uh, for the rest of my schedule He did not have my attention, and my body language was communicating that. No wonder he was screaming at me. I wasn't listening. So I took a breath, sat down across from him, and gave him the attention that I should have given him in the first place. And I was almost shocked at how things shifted so quickly. He stopped screaming almost immediately, received my eye contact and started explaining his current reaction to the information that we were giving him. There's power when we turn our attention to someone else, especially when that person happens to be in a time of need. That is exactly what God is doing in this moment with David and what he does with us. And I can't get over the imagery in the psalm. David is dirty, smelly in a pit And God's response is not to reject or blame David for his conditions, but to draw closer to him, hear his cry, and bring him to a different place, a better one. God's nature is revealed through the text. He is a loving Father who longs to give us attention in the darkest places and times of our lives, to hear us and validate us And to transition us into something stable something greater how true has this been for us as of late a year ago we found ourselves in one of the most traumatic and grief-stricken seasons of our lives we found ourselves waiting waiting to come out of quarantine waiting to go back to normal and god was sitting with us in that place He was working for our good and preparing us. I know for me, God was lovingly showing me all the ways that my pre-COVID life was empty of Him. And in speaking with friends, both Christian and not, um, who were trapped in harsher circumstances, in a much greater lockdown, um, or who suffered the loss of a loved one, I was witnessing similar revelations and transformations of self. In the midst of our suffering and discomfort, God was sitting with us and processing with us, getting us stronger, more sensitive to his will and to his spirit, which really just means that he was teaching us how to follow his lead. And now as we slowly make our way back to normal, we can claim that new song of praise that David describes in verse 3. We can be assured of the fact that he will place us on a rock and make our steps secure. So now that we've examined what it looks like to be in great need and what God's answers is to that need, let me show us two ways via the psalm that we might respond to our current struggles. One, We need to create space for reflection. From the very beginning of the passage, David is remembering the goodness of the Lord and is very specific and detailed about his journey. David makes it clear that he knows what he's talking about when he speaks of deliverance in verse 10. He has gone through a process of contemplation about God's work in his life. No wonder he's able to declare with such certainty and fervor you have multiplied oh lord my god your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us none can compare with you and maybe you're asking yourself what has god really done in my life perhaps you've just started your own journey with jesus or you've never heard of god until now and um bog snorkeling was enough to keep you interested in this video or audio to you i say These promises are not exclusive. He has multiplied wondrous deeds and thoughts towards us, not towards David and David alone, not only for the people who've been attending church for 10 plus years. God's promises are for all of us. His nature to rescue and redeem extends to everyone. And the reason I'm stressing the importance of knowing that God is in fact working in your life is because an awareness of God's presence in your past creates a stronger foundation of faith in your present circumstance. When you're sitting in the mud or in that destruction, your hope is rooted in something greater than the discomfort that you feel. There is conviction that the God who brought you through those past struggles will surely do it again. There isn't a promise that trials will not ever come, that suffering will cease to exist, but there is an assurance that God will see you through it. The second thing that we need to do is to give thanks. And what giving thanks looks like in this Psalm is sharing the news of god's goodness with others verses 9 and 10 read i have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation behold i have not restrained my lips as you know o lord i have not hidden your deliverance within my heart i have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation." David was ahead of his time in realizing the power in gratitude. The mindfulness awareness research at UCLA states that gratitude changes the neural structures in the brain and makes us feel more happier and and more content. Psychologists Shai Davidei and Thomas Gilovich mentioned that we tend to focus more on the obstacles and difficulties of life because they demand action. We have to fight and overcome them to get back to the flow of life. But on the flip side, we forget to attend to the better things in life because they're already there and we don't have to do anything to make them stay with us. Practicing gratitude, according to Gilovich, is the best way to remind ourselves of the things that give us the courage to move on in life. Keeping this in mind, David's proclamation of God's goodness is not only a posture of gratitude, but also a means of closure and resilience. When we give thanks, we can start to bring our focus away from the mistakes and struggles of our past and present and towards the things that keep us moving forward. However, both research and the Bible show us that we won't get these desired results unless we nourish and nurture the seeds of gratitude properly. And that means taking the time to remember and to proclaim the things that God has done and is doing in our lives. What we also see in Psalm 40 is that gratitude produces both individual and communal benefits. Psalm 40 verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our god many will see and fear and put their trust in the lord i love this idea of god taking an old situation defined by struggle and ruin and replacing it with a new song of gratitude here we witness how god changes a story bound for shame into a testimony of his love that is meant to invite others into a relationship with god the experience that you thought people would blame or judge you for is actually the very thing that draws others closest to the greatest solution to their problems and that's jesus Now we don't have time to explore the rest of the Psalm, but I did want to leave you with this observation. If we consider the order Psalm 40 is written in, we might be a little confused. We start off with this glorious rescue, move towards honoring and thanking God, but then we end with a situation just as bad as when David started, if not worse. The Bible I'm reading from labels, verses 11 through 17 as, I am again in need. Reading it reminded me of the same feeling I get when Netflix asks me, are you still watching? Are you really binging Downton Abbey again, Emily? Are you really in need again, David? How did you find yourself back in that pit, in that miry bog? Didn't you learn from the last time? I found myself having a very human reaction to David's repeated tribulation. And I often find myself projecting that reaction onto God. Surely God will be upset that I'm in a mess again. God has to be tired of rescuing me. And this embarrassment and this shame creates a distance and a disconnect from God. Now, I might not have David's resume, but I've lived through generational and personal traumas. I've had struggles with my mental health, and I've also got to experience God bring healing into those areas in my life. I've seen him do the impossible, and yet while I can acknowledge the victories of my past, when those struggles begin to haunt my present, I don't feel worthy enough to come to God for help. It's hard for me To get past those voices that say, I should be in a better place. To overcome messages that we hear in our own churches. Like, you're too blessed to be stressed. But the Bible suggests otherwise. David knew that despite being an underdog, his repeated shortcomings, and his sinful nature, God was with him. And that is a truth that translates to all of us. God is with you. God is with us. In fact, God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross to ensure that he could be with us for all of time. And I want to end and pray for all of us today. But if this is new information for you, if you're just starting to listen to the story, um, that is Jesus. If you're starting to wonder more about it or maybe there's a feeling of hope pushing through your own doubts and your skepticism I want to invite you to connect with us and I want to let you know that you are welcome you are welcome into this great love story with God but you're also welcome here at reunion your questions your doubts We want to speak with you um, and help you understand this journey, help you feel um, that God truly is present in you in the midst of any storm, of any trial. Um, And so let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you because throughout the word, there is a constant pointing back to you and how you love us. I pray for those of us who find ourselves in the midst of problems, God. Problems that seem too numerous to bear with, Lord. Um, And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to just meet us in that place. To remind us that you are not put off by the messiness, by the dirt, by the mud, Lord. but in fact, you draw nearer to us in those moments, God. Help us reflect on the ways that you have been there throughout our lives um, and just give thanks to you, God. Give thanks to you, Lord, so that not only we can feel encouraged by your goodness, but that we can encourage others around us, that there is an answer, there isn't a solution, and that solution is Jesus. God, as we end today, I just pray that whoever is listening and still has questions, God, that your Holy Spirit may move now, Lord, um, and offer them, Father God, an answer, God, um, and that they may find a place um, here, Lord Jesus, to explore, to be curious, God. I thank you, and I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.